Do you want the church to grow? That's kind of an odd question, isn't it? I believe I know the answer to that. I think it was answered when it was announced that the Smiths were placing membership. The amens, the applause, the the affirmation, yes. We're glad to have them on board just as we're glad to have anybody on board. The church grew in the first century. And I believe the church is growing now. But that text that Jace just read for us, I think, encompasses exactly how this happens. At least the primary way. And if you go back to it and look at it with me, I'm going to draw your attention to what the angel tells them. Verse 20. Go, stand, speak to the people the whole message of this life. The whole message of this life. What was that angel saying when he said that? What is the whole message of this life? Well, you know what it is. It's what these guys have already been preaching And what have they been preaching up to this point? Well, they've been telling people about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. How he was put to death, buried, and then rose on the third day. That was the message. And when you read through Acts, that's really the only message they ever preach over and over and over again. And so when you read through Acts and you see this message being preached, you know, that's the message of this whole life. And the church grows, and it grows, and it grows. If you go back to chapter 2, we'll pick up with some passages here. By the way, when when you get to chapter 2, hold on to that. I want to have a commercial. Is that okay? It's not really a commercial because commercials have to do with commerce, and this isn't commerce. But talking about the Lord's church and the church growing. We got a card this week from... A congregation of the Lord's people in Owatonna, Minnesota. Anybody ever been to Owatonna? That name tells me that they are just like us. They have Native American names for a lot of the places where they live. We live in Choctaw. They live in Owatonna. That's got to be an Indian word. And why did they write this card? Well, if you look on the front of your bulletin this morning, you'll see. I I took excerpts from that card. By the way, I want to let you know, I left out the names because they mentioned some specific names. And I thought, well, I don't want anybody to be embarrassed or, or undue attention called to anybody. So I left out the names. But what they're doing is using what we provide online. And it benefits them. Now, this is a small congregation. I think they want to be larger than they are. I think they want the word to come to them so it can go out from them. And we want the word to come to us so it can go out from us. And the whole reason is, number one, we want the church to grow. And it's not just about church growth, quote unquote, having more numbers. It's about souls. If you're in a lifeboat and the Titanic is next to you and sinking... You want to get as many people in that lifeboat as you can. And you look back at that story, that's a fixed time in history, but there's another ship that is sinking today. 
And that ship is the world. Paul wrote in the letter to the Romans, the whole creation groans in travail as a woman giving birth. And he says it groans until the time that we find our redemption through Christ. And he's coming, but he's not here yet. And so the world is groaning in travail. We groan, we groan this week as we gathered in here to remember our brother Randy McAllister. He's gone, he's with the Lord. And we hate death, but it comes to us. And we groan when we hear about things like Libya being overwhelmed with the flood, thousands of people killed. Morocco hit with an earthquake, thousands of people killed. Our own Maui, Hawaii, a whole town burns down, hundreds of people die. The earth is groaning and the only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want the gospel to go out from us as a group. But don't you want the gospel to go out from you as an individual? Don't you want to tell people about Jesus? I don't believe there's a soul in here that would say, no, I don't want to tell anybody about Jesus. You do. You might be afraid to. You might think you don't know how. But you do. Look at me. You think I'm somebody special? You don't need to say anything. (laughs) It's a rhetorical question just to get you to think. I'm really no different than you. And I'll tell you the way it is. You and I go eat someplace really nice here in Oklahoma or someplace else. What are we going to do when we get back? We're going to tell people about that. And we don't even have to, nobody ever says, you know, I was going to tell them about this place I ate, but I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I know enough to tell them about that place. I don't know who owns it. I don't know when it was established. I don't know how much money they take in per year. I don't think I know enough to tell them about that place I ate. No, nobody thinks like that. If they did, you'd say, well, they're just kind of dumb. But we tell ourselves that we can't tell other people about Jesus. But we can. And they did. And I I know there were some things that were different in the first century in the the second chapter of Acts. And we'll talk about some of that. But really things are no different then than they are now in some ways. We'll talk about that too. But if you look at chapter 2, Peter preaches. By the way, if you ever looked at the length of that sermon that he preaches... It's not very long at all. Don't get any ideas. But it's not very long. The whole thing that he really wants them to hear is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when they hear that, they respond. And it says, 3,000 obeyed the gospel that day. Verse 41. So then those who received his word were baptized. This is Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. And you and I read that. What kind of a number do we think that is? Whoa. Wouldn't it be great if the next time we meet here for worship, 3,000 people showed up from Choctaw? Man. We've heard that you all preach the gospel and we want to hear it. We would be driving our cars out in the back fields and parking them so people would have room to come and park up. We'd be scooting down to the... We'd be standing along the wall so our visitors could have nice comfy pews to sit in. 
We'd make every accommodation we could so that people could get in here to hear the gospel. But what we need to do is make every effort to get the gospel out there. Because <laughs> they won't come in here unless we take it out there. And it's not about being in here, is it? It's about being in the kingdom. And that's what Peter was preaching. When Jesus came, he preached the gospel of the kingdom and his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That is the gospel of the kingdom. The focal point of it. And that's what Peter preached here on Acts chapter 2. And that's why 3,000 obeyed. And 3,000 really, when you think about it, of the people that must have been there for the Feast of Pentecost, probably not a very big number. Does God need big numbers? He doesn't need big numbers. He started everything with two people. And then he restarted everything. You know, it's like when your computer crashes. You got to do a restart. He started everything over with eight people. And when he finally was going to bring his people into the promised land, how many people who left Egypt? Didn't John do a good job this morning talking to us about the Passover? Uh, wait a minute. Didn't John do a good morning job this morning talking to us about the Passover? I, I must have put you to sleep and you just weren't ready for a question. But all those people who left Egypt after the Passover, the original Passover, how many of them actually made it to the promised land? Just two. Just two. God isn't looking for numbers. He's looking for faithfulness. And what's, what he wants to know about you and me is, will we be faithful to him? Will we be faithful in our lives? Will we be faithful in carrying the message of the gospel of his son into this world to people who are lost and in need of salvation? That's what he wants to know. And when you read through Acts, this is what they did. They took the message of salvation into the world. And we see the church growing. It's not just there in verse 41. Look down at verse 47. Talking about the church, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now what were the apostles and the new Christians doing? They were talking about Jesus. And who was adding to their number? That's right. The Lord was. The Lord was adding to their number. And you go a little farther, <clears throat> you go to chapter 4, this is what we read in Acts 4. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening, but... Many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Now, if you might have thought 3,000 was a good number, well, here's 5,000. How about that? You ever been in a congregation of 5,000 people? What a wonder that would be. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, I like small congregations. I think I know what they mean by that, but I don't think they know what they're saying. <laughs> Could you imagine you're in a lifeboat next to that Titanic and you say, well, you know, I don't really like a crowded lifeboat. 
Are you kidding me? I think I know what people mean. They, they want some intimacy, and that's what you normally find in a small congregation. Hooray for intimacy. Make a small congregation out of the big congregation. Find some friends and some people you, you really have an, a, a relationship with and develop those relationships and find that intimacy there. But don't ever limit congregation size by what you like. I think a congregation should be limited to what God likes. And I believe he said somewhere he loved the whole world enough to send his son. And there's a world out there waiting to hear. But you read this here. The number of those who heard the message believed. They they believed and the number grew to 5,000 because they were hearing the message. It's a repeat. And then if you look down in chapter 5. Verse 12. It says, at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. By the way, that's part of the temple. But none of the rest dared to associate with them, however. The people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Multitudes constantly added to them. What were they doing? Well, in this case, they were ministering. They're preaching the gospel. They're ministering as Jesus would have them to minister. And the church is growing. Multitudes of people. And you know and I know that's what we need to be about. We need to be about preaching the gospel in here but out there as well. You and me as individuals on the street so to speak. Talking about Jesus. In the home so to speak. Talking about Jesus. Well not so to speak. Literally in in the home. At work when you have an opportunity. Don't cheat your employer in any way, shape, or form. But talk to people where you can about Jesus, wherever that is. At school, wherever it might be. In the bleachers, wherever you find yourself. Standing in line at Walmart. That's a great thing about Oklahoma. You can talk to people at Walmart. And they don't think you're crazy. Because they might start talking to you first. That's just the way we are here in Oklahoma. Isn't that a great way to be? What a fantastic opportunity to share the gospel. What if we lived in a place where the culture was, well, you don't talk to me because you don't know me. And until we've been formally introduced, you can't say anything to me. But here you walk right up to somebody and say, hey, where do you worship the Lord? You could do it. That's what they did. They talked about the Lord and the church was always growing. In chapter 5, again, verse 42, last chapter or last verse of the chapter, it says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Now soak that up. How often? Every day. Where? Where? In the temple. This might serve as our temple, but where else? From house to house. They kept right on what? Teaching. And they kept right on preaching. And what were they teaching and preaching? But Jesus as the Christ. And then verse 6, or chapter 6. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, wait a minute. While the disciples, what do you think they were increasing in number? 
I think the reason they're increasing in numbers is because every day, what are they doing? They're in the temple talking about Jesus. From house to house, they're talking about Jesus. That's the way it was then. And the church growed. The church grew. And we want the church to grow here, do we not? I know we do. You don't have to say amen. I know you do. Some things, I told you we talk about some things that were different. I got a list of some things they had. This is not an exhaustive list, but it's some, some situations they had, some good, some not so good, but they had some things. These folks had their Jewish heritage. They had been brought up to know the Lord because really, at first, we're talking about all Jewish people. There weren't any Gentiles in the church. They had their Jewish heritage. They, they knew the, uh, the prophets and the word of God. They were living in the day of Jesus. He had just been crucified in Jerusalem. They knew these things. They had the word, the prophets, the law. They had the covenant. They were multilingual and multicultural. Did you notice if, if you're, in your prior reading of chapter 2, there were about 15 nations represented and all those people who'd come to Jerusalem, Jewish people, but they came to Jerusalem and they're saying, we're hearing these men speak through the Holy Spirit in our native languages. 15 different native languages, 15 different cultures. They had that. They had the apostles. Wow, wouldn't that be cool to have the apostles? They had miracles and signs and wonders done by the apostles and the apostles would lay hands on some and those people would be able to do miracles and wonders and signs. But they also had a world steeped in idolatry. We think we don't, don't we? But we do. Just a different kind of idols. They had persecution. Chapter 6, what happens? Well, they call Stephen on the carpet. Why? What's he doing? Well, he's preaching about Jesus. They call him on the carpet. Well, really, I don't know if they had any carpet or not, but you know what I mean when I say that. And they wound up stoning him to death. By the way, what happened after they stoned, Jesus, or stoned Stephen to death? The church grew. We'll read about that in a minute. What they didn't have. Think about this. They did not have a written New Testament. You and I think if we're going to go out and teach, we've got to know that New Testament. Well, they didn't even have one. They had the New Testament in the sense that Jesus had instituted it with his blood. But as far as a book, we think of the New Testament as a book. Remember what Jesus said at the Last Supper? This blood is the New Covenant. In my blood. This fruit of the vine is the new covenant in my he, He's talking about a covenant that we have with God, that God has made with us. But we talk about the New Testament as a book, as writings, the revealed word of God about the church and about salvation. They didn't have that. They had the old scriptures, and that's what they used to prove that Jesus was the Christ. So things are a little bit different. We have modern communications. We can talk to people about Jesus on Facebook. Could you imagine people in the first century? How many selfies would have been taken on the day of Pentecost? Standing there, 3,000. Squeeze in, squeeze in. Had to have a long stick, put that phone on it. I'm going to put this on Facebook. What's, what's it called when you... Facebook Live, yeah. I'm going to do Facebook Live. Didn't have that. We have modern transportation. You're in Jerusalem. You can't get on a train and go somewhere. 
By the way, Capernaum, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Capernaum was about 80 miles from Jerusalem. And when Jesus rose from the dead and Peter didn't know what to think about all that, you remember what he said? He said, I'm going fishing. Well, he had to walk 80 miles to get back to home to, to go fishing. No train, no taxi. One thing they did not have that we have today is the confusion of denominationalism. Wouldn't it be great to go back in the first century and not have to deal with denominationalism? And I don't mean an ugly word against people who are in denominations, but I'm talking about the ugliness of the confusion that denominationalism causes. People have questions about the church. Well, what about this? Why do you guys do this? Because I don't see other people doing this. And why do you have that that other people don't have? And y'all do the Lord's Supper every week? Y'all can't afford a piano? Just all these questions that people have. Do y'all have any women pastors? All the questions that come from denominations, they didn't have that. But the way it was then is the way it is now. You plant the word and the Lord gives the increase. We'll close this lesson from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, which by the way was established simply by him going there and preaching the gospel. And it was a pagan Roman place. But he preached, people responded, and the church was established. And in every wedding, you'll hear a portion of 1 Corinthians 13 about love. But here's what Paul writes to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 5. What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters anything, but God who causes the growth. God causes the growth. But here's the thing. I believe I've said this before in in a different way, but... I'll say it this morning this way. Not even God can cause the growth where the seed is not planted. He can do it if the seed is planted, but we've got to plant the seed. I think we're doing as fine a job as any congregation is doing by planting the seed online, by getting it out electronically. But I want to challenge myself as much as I challenge you To plant more seed on an individual basis. Talk to people you know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to get a lot of rejection. You'll get a lot of people who won't care. you get a lot of people who won't respond in in a positive way. But if you keep planting the seed, eventually God will be able to give an increase somewhere. And think about what that will be like. That somewhere down the road, somebody comes to Jesus Christ and their soul is saved because you talk to them about the Lord. It's a great feeling. And that's where you and I are. And that's our opportunity. And that's the end of this lesson. This is today's lesson. What will tomorrow's lesson hold?
you have an opportunity to respond this morning to this gospel we've been talking about. If you're outside of Christ, we want to see that. We want to pray for you. We want to help you understand anything you don't understand. You've got questions for us. We want to provide some answers. And we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement and invitation. So to anybody who might want to respond to that invitation this morning. So let's stand and sing together.